Let's pray. Father God, we uh, thank you for the privilege of coming together this morning. Father, you are all-sufficient. You have made all things. You need absolutely nothing. Uh, you do not require for yourself our worship and our praises, but as you have allowed us the opportunity and the privilege to praise you, we experience your life within us and your goodness to us. Father God, as we uh, come to your word, we thank you that you are a God who has not left us alone, but you are a God who communicates with those of us in your creation who were made in your image. And we pray that as we listen to your voice that you would be uh, transforming us more and more into the uh, likeness of your eternal Son. Holy Spirit, I uh, pray that as I come to your word that you would remind me that those of us who have the privilege of uh, teaching will be held to a higher account. Father, I pray that uh, I would handle your word well and uh, speak it accurately. I pray that if there is anything that is uh, off base or off target, that uh, it would be uh, promptly uh, forgotten. We thank you for what you will accomplish in us today. In Christ's name, amen. For anybody out there who is still unaware, we at FBC Prineville will be celebrating our 150th anniversary at the end of April. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to need to work on the excitement index a little bit more between now and the end of April. For 150 years, our God has been faithful, gracious, and merciful to us and to our forebears. Through the months of January, February, March, and April, we have been looking and will be looking at our core values and mission statement. FBC Prineville exists to be a people who embody and proclaim the life-giving fullness of the gospel. Now, I did not uh, give you all a test and ask you to uh, recite that. And Abby, I think we need to turn something down. We're getting a lot of feedback. Two weeks ago, we addressed the uh, question, uh, what is the uh, gospel? Now there's going to be a test. Can anyone uh, give me our working definition of the uh, gospel? Okay. Um, there is the answer key. 
Memorize that. There may be another test next week. So this is our working uh, definition. The gospel is God's good news, the story of the whole Bible that tells of God keeping his promises. The story reaches its climax in God's eternal son, Jesus Christ, becoming a human and through his death and resurrection, conquering sin, death, and the devil. This gospel demands a response of obedient, submissive faith to Jesus as king. By faith, people from every people group are made Christ and welcomed into God's family, and God gets all the glory. Okay. Last week, we uh, considered how the uh, gospel gives us life. Today, I would like to focus on just one way, just one way in which the gospel may be shaping our lives. If you've not already done so, uh, please turn to Philippians 1.27. We could do an entire sermon series from this verse, but uh, no, Dr. Biederman, I'm not going to be doing it today. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now then, some background. As he was writing this, Paul was a celebrity prisoner of the Roman Empire. For those of you who have read to the end of uh, Acts, yes, he was only under house arrest. Yes, he is allowed to have visitors, but to make sure that he does not escape, he is being guarded by the emperor's best, Nero's, Nero's own Praetorian Guard. Paul is writing to the church in the imperial colony of Philippi in the province of Macedonia, a city from which he was escorted out of town after spending a night in jail, after a very short stay during which he had managed to start a church. And then on his way out of town, he makes a physician their first pastor. Paul is hoping to be released and hoping to revisit uh, Philippi, but he makes his desire for the Philippians clear in this verse, just in case that doesn't happen. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, has anybody ever stumbled over that word worthy? I, I'm getting a few head nods. I, I, I didn't know if it was just me. Most English translations render the Greek word axios as worthy or worthily. 
The uh, Spanish translation is actually better, and if you would like to hear this sermon en Espanol, please come back at uh, 12.30. If you're not coming back, please pray for the poor English-speaking, German-speaking guy who will be trying to speak Spanish. Now this uh, rendering the word could potentially lead us in a couple of directions that we are going to rule out right now. Um, we may read that uh, first line, then say, there's no way I could ever be deserving of the uh, gospel, and stop reading right there. Alternatively, for those of us who were raised to break out in hives at the barest whiff of works righteousness, we may say, there's no way standing firm or striving together or anything else that I could ever do makes me uh, deserving of the uh, gospel and resolve to never read Philippians ever, ever again. Okay, forget those. Can't support it from the text. So let's take a look at the uh, word uh, Paul uses. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Biederman and I uh, speak uh, medical Greek. We do not speak uh, biblical Greek, but I'm going to do this anyway. The Greek word and its related uh, form convey two concepts, and please note that deserving is not one of those uh, concepts. The second concept is that of weight or weightiness. It indicates that whatever we are talking about here has some gravity or some substance to it. It is not just fluff. Hang on to that concept. We may have uh, time to develop it a little bit uh, later on. The first concept, and the one more directly uh, in play in this passage, could be uh, referred to as consistent with. You may remember Acts 11.26, where Luke notes, the disciples were first called uh, Christians at Antioch. Christians is a diminutive form of Christ. It basically uh, means little Christ, or anyway. Uh, when the Antiochians looked at, watched, observed the uh, disciples, they noticed that these folks sure resembled Jesus, hence the nickname, which we continue to claim uh, today. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So what Paul is saying here is basically, whether I am released and get to see you again, or whether I remain a uh, prisoner, or whether Nero decides to have me beheaded, I want to hear that your lives are consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So far? Silence. So what does that life uh, look like? that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do we notice a recurrent theme here? Dean Gertner is nodding his head. Is Paul being a little bit too subtle? The word axios is used only six other times in the entire New Testament, twice by John and only four other times by Paul. One of those times is in Ephesians 4, where Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. There's that word again. With all humility and gentleness, we're going to talk about humility later, with patience showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Is Paul still being a little bit too subtle? Okay. Linda Biederman is shaking her head no. As I said earlier, I am focusing on just one way in which the gospel shapes our lives. That one way may be summarized by the word oneness. Is this slide too subtle? Okay. Andrew Schaaf is shaking his head no and laughing. Uh, Marlene, this is the uh, main point. If you want to stop taking notes right now, it's fine with me. The good news of the gospel, the story of our promise-keeping God, the story that reaches its climax in Jesus Christ, the story of his triumph over sin, death, and hell is that by the life death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the eternal promise-keeping God is calling us to be one with him and one with one another. Is that good news? Good. So, it's good news. We agree on that. I think everybody's tracking with me uh, so far. Is Paul making this up. Let's hear from Jesus himself. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. That's us all. that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. 
This is an excerpt from the uh, prayer that uh, Jesus was praying as he and his guys were walking through the uh, darkened streets of uh, Jerusalem on that night from the upper room to Gethsemane. I want to call your attention to three things in these two short verses. First, that they may all be one. Does that sound like Ephesians 4? Or Philippians 1 and 2? Paul is not pulling everything that he says about oneness among believers out of thin air. He is drawing on the words of Jesus himself. Now then, would anybody here be surprised if I say that we uh, live in an increasingly fragmented world? Good. I guess I won't have to uh, argue that one. Uh, folks, we live in an increasingly fragmented world. Would anybody here be surprised if I uh, said we live in a uh, country, in a culture, that values individuality, personal privilege, and self-expression over unity and oneness. Good, I don't have to defend that one either. To live in oneness with other believers, especially given the number of uh, shapes, sizes, interests, and opinions that other believers come in, is to live out of step with the uh, surrounding society. It will attract attention. It will raise questions. And, as Peter says, we need to be always ready to make a defense to everyone who asks us to give an account for the hope that is in us, yet with gentleness and reverence. Have you prepared your defense statement? I do not ask in behalf of those of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be in us. Um, Jesus prays, second point, that we may be in him and in the Father in the same way that he is in the Father and that the Father is in him. How often do we think on that one? By the way, the uh, Super Bowl was uh, last Sunday, so you've got all afternoon to, to go home and think about this one. If it doesn't give you a headache, think some more. Is Jesus praying that we will become divine? No. But he is praying that in some way that I cannot understand, those who have responded to him in obedient, submissive faith will somehow be one with the Holy Trinity. As Pastor Faye pointed out uh, last week, our salvation begins with our uh, justification, with the uh, forgiveness of our sins, but it does not end there. 
we are being sanctified to become more and more like Jesus. And we will be glorified to be like Jesus. As John says in 1 John 3, we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Grammatically, my grammarian is uh, paying attention here. Grammatically, that is a, a statement of fact, folks. Agreed? Yep. Third, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. Jesus puts an invalidation clause on his gospel. If those not yet placing obedient, submissive faith in Jesus do not observe that this strange assortment of believers is A, living in oneness with one another, and B, living in oneness with the living God, they may reasonably conclude that Jesus is not really who he says he is. Now that may sound a bit unfair to Jesus, but Jesus is the one making the uh, statement. Jesus prays that we, all of us here, all believers, will be living in oneness. That I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one service purpose. Paul talks about believers being of one mind, one spirit, sharing, sharing the same love, being intent on one purpose, striving together for the faith of the uh, gospel. We could do an entire sermon series on these two verses alone, but not today. Question. Do we see this sort of oneness among believers? Kim is uh, shaking her head no. You know, let's be honest. Why not? What's going on? What might be missing? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility. There's that word again. I, I told you that we would uh, run into it. Of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I would submit to you that this may be the missing element, the reason that uh, we're not seeing the, the oneness that, that uh, Paul is talking about or that uh, Jesus is praying for. So here's a wasted uh, question. Does 
the prevailing culture around us value humility. No, okay, thank you. Um, how often is humility uh, celebrated or publicized as something to be thought or emulated? How often outside perhaps the uh, church on a uh, Sunday morning are we told to put others and their interests ahead of our own? What is the message that we usually hear? You don't have to answer that one. You can jot it down and turn in your answer sheets later. Is this kind of life easy? Is it easy to consider one another more important than me? Is it easy to not only look out for me, but also for the interests of others? Did Jesus ever tell us this would be easy? Would anyone out there like a, a second opinion? Diane is uh, scratching her head. I don't know if that's a... Okay. Don't do that at an auction. Um, Paul Just in case you wanted a, a second opinion, here's another one. Paul tells us in Romans uh, 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. You want another one? Colossians 3. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. This is not easy. It goes against the cultural grain. It will attract attention. It will raise questions. Do you have your defense statement ready? Two action points. First, there is nothing that will torpedo oneness within the family of God quicker than gossip. Don't do it. If you have a complaint against another uh, believer, first, forgive them. Second, go to them and clear it up. Second, I don't know about you, but I am not a mind reader. I cannot know what someone else's interests are or whether or not we're of the uh, same mind without talking to them. We cannot do that on a uh, Sunday morning. I'm glad to see you all here. This, this at least uh, gives me some faces to uh, connect with, but I can't do it on a uh, Sunday morning. So I have three suggestions. Number one, during the stand-up shaky hands time, if you meet somebody new, get their contact information uh, Jonathan, you and I need to talk later. Get their contact information and invite them for coffee. Or maybe even invite them over to your uh, house for uh, dinner. Okay. Suggestion number two. If you're a guy, connect with uh, Rob Cox. 
and find out how to get a uh, DNA group going. Rob, raise your hand. I told you I was going to do that to you. So if you're a guy, connect with Rob and find out how to get a, a DNA group going. If you're a lady, talk with Alicia Myers. Raise your hand, Alicia. About getting into a mentoring relationship with another woman. If you're a guy or a lady, and you're not already in a home community, Ethan Schaefe, back there in the booth, can tell you where and when you may find home communities meeting. Folks, we cannot get on the uh, same page if we're not making uh, contact uh, with one another. Okay. So that's point number one. Point number two, our living, promise-keeping God wants us to live in uh, oneness with one another. He also wants, to be, wants us to be living in oneness with him. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be in us. And uh, Vicki, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Is this in the uh, subjunctive? Okay. Which means in ordinary English that this is something that may or may not uh, happen. God uh, certainly uh, desires it. God is all-powerful, but God is not uh, pushy. Uh, he will not force this on us if uh, we uh, are resistant. Paul wants the Philippians to be of the same mind. So what does this mind look like? If we keep reading, we'll uh, see it right here. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus does not ask us to do anything that he has not already done. He calls us to humility. Jesus went there first. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, take up our uh, cross uh, daily and follow him. He went there first. If we think that when Paul tells the uh, Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ, that having the mind of Christ means that, hey, I am answerable to no one. 
remember that Jesus lived in constant obedience to the Father. If we think that having the mind of Christ means that we get to call our own shots, remember that that's not what Jesus did. So do we live this way all the time? No. Do we think this way all the time? No. Remember that sanctification is a process. We don't get there all at once. However, if we never see evidence of this attitude, if we do not see more and more evidence of humility being built into our lives, there is cause for concern. As Paul also says to the uh, Corinthians, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith, examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So, if you pass the test, you and others are going to be uh, seeing evidence of uh, Jesus Christ within you, and more and more all the time. So how do we uh, cultivate uh, the mind of Christ? As I said, uh, God is all-powerful, but he is not pushy. How can we nourish that desire to live in oneness with the living God? Two habits to develop. First, get into the uh, scripture. Now, I prefer print on paper. Joe Stenkamp uh, likes to uh, read on his digital device. Tom Hall really enjoys audio. Regardless of the format, get into scripture. As Pastor Faye pointed out uh, last week, we uh, find the gospel throughout scripture, not just in the four gospels. That being said, I would prescribe a concentrated dose of uh, Jesus at least once a week, as we find him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Watch him. Listen to him. See what he does. Listen to what he says. Second, pray. Now, prayer is not a uh, monologue. Please stop periodically to see if God has something to say. If you're new to prayer, if you don't know what to pray or how to pray, if you want to sharpen the edge on your prayers, get into the uh, Psalms. I do not ask in behalf of uh, these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. We're going to talk about this idea more next week, but in the meantime, 
as we live in oneness with one another, and as we live in oneness with the Father, we will be living lives of submission and obedience to Jesus Christ, the true King. We will be living against the grain of the uh, surrounding culture. Our lives will attract attention. Our lives will raise questions. Do you have your uh, defense statement ready? Okay, so just in case you missed it uh, before, there is the one point from uh, today. God desires that we live in oneness with him and in oneness with one another. As uh, Paul said to the uh, Corinthians, uh, test yourself, uh, see if uh, you find this kind of life and if you have been uh, doing the uh, self-administered uh, test today and you say, um, I'm not quite sure or I uh, flat out uh, flunk, uh, please talk with one of the elders uh, afterwards. For those of us who pass that test, one of the ways that we visibly declare our oneness on a regular basis is by participating together in celebrating the Lord's Supper. Those of us who are believers, those who have responded to the gospel in obedient, submissive faith to Jesus as King, come to the table where we take of the bread, symbolizing his body, and of the fruit of the vine, symbolizing his blood, and we proclaim his death until he comes again to establish his kingdom on this earth once and for all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have prayed for us. You have been continuing to pray for us and you assure us that you continually pray for us in the uh, presence of the uh, Father. We thank you that uh, in your death, your resurrection, and your ascension, you have broken the power of sin, death, and the devil. You have granted those of us who are so different from one another a oneness with one another and with you that uh, could not be humanly manufactured. Lord Jesus, we uh, pray that as we uh, come to the uh, table today that we would be aware of your life with us, within us, 
that we would be aware of your desire and the Father's desire to see us at one with one another and with you. And as we take of your supper today, we ask that we would be proclaiming your death until you come, and we ask that we would be prepared to defend to all who ask us about the hope and the life that is within us. Amen.